You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Five Star Zone with Rico Beard. Welcome to another edition of the Five Star Zone. Evan Jenkins, Rico Beard. And today we got a special guest. We we got a guy who I think is not only an up-and-coming broadcaster, journalist. Man, man knows his stuff. He played the game. But uh, you see him all the time. He knows everything when it comes to the Big Ten. That's Josh Perry. You can see him on the Big Ten Network. You could also see he's a co-host on the Rally on Bally Sports. Josh, I appreciate your time today. And uh, welcome to the show. And no doubt I appreciate y'all having me. So, Josh, let's just jump right into this. Big Ten Media Day was last week. And before we start talking about the individual teams, what was the biggest takeaway that, that you had at, the, at Media Day? I think it's two things. It's a twofold uh, answer for me. Is Number one, the direction of the conference, just in terms of the expansion and the changing landscape of college football, I think we're in really good hands. And I know a lot of people had some concerns about Commissioner Kevin Warren uh, during the COVID year, and now all of a sudden you see what's going on in terms of the Big Ten's aggression in uh, in adding a couple of new teams and saying that they want to be on the forefront, the cutting edge, embracing the changes that are coming. Uh, you hear some of these other conference commissioners talk about, you know, this is collegiate athletics, and this isn't a place where, uh, we we want to embrace the business side. This is supposed to be a place of academic nurturing, and these are amateur athletes. And Commissioner Warren is like, nah, a lot of changes on the horizon. We're going to embrace all of them. Uh, certainly, we understand that this is a business. We're going to treat it like it. Of course, we want to care for our athletes, but we understand what's on the table here. And I'm a fan of that because things are going to change regardless and if you don't want to be nimble, you're going to get left behind. This conference is certainly not getting left behind, which is great for me. But then you start thinking about the coaches that are there, and this is the second thing for me. I think that the product on the football field is only getting better for the Big Ten. And you can look at a team like Maryland, for example, in the Big Ten East and say, like, man, Maryland, you know, if they could figure things out defensively, they could be a, a, a very scary team because you know that their offense is probably going to be able to move the football. You look over at the Big Ten West, and Purdue is in a really good spot. Minnesota's in a good spot. Uh, You feel like Iowa's always competitive. Wisconsin is always going to be there. Uh, You can even look at a team like Illinois and say that they're making strides under Brett Bielema. So uh, we're in a, a great spot right now, not only in terms of the changing landscape, but I think as you start to really evaluate the actual on-field product, I, I, I don't know if there's been a better spot coming into a season, optimism-wise, um, than we have right now. 
Well, it's funny. I mean, you mentioned a lot of those things, and, and one was the University of Maryland, and and I'm not allowed to speak upon Maryland because I, I overhyped them last year, and, and people are not <laughs> letting me forget that I said that. So I've been banned from hyping up Maryland again this year. But going back to Kevin Warren, you know, he, he says something interesting, and I'm just kind of paraphrasing, but he, he was just making it sound like, you know, College football and the business of college football are expanding, but they're expanding at different rates. And it's kind of what you said, that it's one of those you better get on board because this thing won't look the same in in a few years. And, you know, you're saying now with the expansion of USC and UCLA, Josh, do you think that the Big Ten is done by bringing in those two schools or, or are they still looking to add more? I, well, I think Notre Dame is the one. And, and they'd be foolish not to, um, you know, at least examine what that opportunity might look like. I think if you can get Notre Dame, you might look at adding a partner for them. I don't know exactly who that might be, um, but that would be it. I, I mean, and, and think about some of the, the games that you would get. Um, Notre Dame, Michigan is, is a one that I know a lot of people are um, upset isn't around right now. You'd get that back. You'd get Notre Dame. USC as a traditional rivalry, that'd be awesome. You would get Notre Dame and Ohio State, which isn't a game that's played very often, but the hype around the week one game this year is so exciting that you would love to see that game get played more. You would get a Notre Dame-Purdue, which isn't exciting for a lot of people except for the people for those fan bases. That's a huge rivalry game that nobody really talks about. Uh, I think there's a very natural connection with that program coming in. Yeah, but Josh, haven't we reached a point with Notre Dame where, see, I look at it as, uh, you know, you've been on a date for so long. You've been trying and trying. You pretty much know everything about Notre Dame. They know everything about you. It's either time to consummate this thing or it's time to move on because I really really feel like Notre Dame has put the Big Ten in the friend zone. Yeah, and and that's totally fine. I, I think the friend zone conversation it becomes a little bit different once once the Big Ten glows up, you know, because everybody knows that the relationship changes once the finances change too. Right. Uh, that, that, <laughs> that lady you were trying to court for all those years, once once your pockets start getting fat, oh, you know what? Maybe you are a little bit cuter than I thought you were before. Right. That, that, what was it, what was it uh, back then? You didn't know me. Now I'm hot. And now you're all on me. You're all on me, yes. <laughs> and so I, I think that's, that's a legitimate aspect of it is, once the finances become a little bit more apparent with a uh, new TV deal and, and the ability to renegotiate, if you were able to pull in a Notre Dame on something different, um, I, I know they, they value their independence and being able to control their finances. However, uh, the way that this money is blowing up right now, like it'd be really, I think it'd be really hard for them to turn it down. Talking with Josh Perry uh, from Big Ten Network, from Bally Sports, kind enough to join us here on the show and, and Josh, I mean, I, I, I know, you know, you, you, you've separated yourself and you do a great job, but as a former Buckeye player, you, you got to have your chest out a little bit knowing this conference seems like it's Ohio State and everybody else this year. I mean, the Buckeyes lost to Michigan, and Ryan Day appears to have these guys just ready for bear. I mean, they are dialed in and focused. They said an 11-2 season last year was a disappointment. I don't think Mel Tucker thinks that, but to Ryan Day in Ohio State, 11-2 and two is not what you signed up for. No, it's not at all. Um, and it's, it's wild just because 
you know, I, I feel that from the time that I was playing there. Um, we had some really good seasons when I was a player, and my senior year was one of them, save for the fact that we lost in Michigan State. Um, you know, it was a really good season. We ended up playing Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. We win, and, uh, you know, guys are excited, and we're talking about, Coach, when are we getting our Fiesta Bowl rings? And he's like, no, we're not doing that. We didn't win the Big Ten Conference. We didn't win a national championship. Y'all aren't getting a ring. And I'm sitting back looking in the rear view at my four years there. We went 50-4 and four over a four-year span. I'm like, man, it'd be really nice to kind of cap this thing off with a, a little momento, but Coach isn't into that. Um, and Ryan Day is, is similar with the standard. And I think he gets a, a little bit of a bum rap um, because he's not, you know, as, as maniacal as Urban. People think that he's a little bit softer. Um, and that's really? not the case. The dude has – yes. But the the guy has a ton of edge, and uh, uh, I think that edge is really starting to show right now. So, you know, you talk about the pieces that are in place for Ohio State. I, I think C.J. Stroud is uh, the biggest thing uh, with that. But you look offensively, and it just feels like a really good spot. The defense is going to be the question, but um, certainly can't be worse than it was a year ago. Well, hold on real quick, Evan. And it's funny you talk about the defense, what happened? I mean, as a defensive player, Josh, what happened to that Ohio State defense? Because, I mean, I thought the Oregon game may have been just an anomaly, but turns out that that's just what their defense was last season. And this is coming from a school that stacks NFL players. Yeah, and, and a lot of people, uh, you know, their initial reaction was that recruiting had fallen off, fallen off at Ohio State. I'm looking at these folks like, Y'all got to be tripping. I mean, there's some really good players out there. Um, and it ended up being that uh, schematically the defense was stagnant, and I think that the player development had sputtered for a couple of years. And this goes back to the 2020 season. I mean, the, the national title game, I, if anybody was watching that, you, I mean, you knew Ohio State's defense was not very good in that game. Um, you know, the, the biggest play that stands out to me and this is not to knock my guy, Tuck Borland, but you, you got him carrying the deep over route into the end zone of Devontae Smith. Like, that's not on tough. That, that was a scheme thing. Everybody knows in the 3D system, the weak hook players got to carry the, the bender, the vertical of number three. Uh, and, and you do things to guard against having your least athletic linebacker have to carry that. The, in the defensive scheme that they were in, Kerry Combs didn't have the answer for that. Um, and that spilled over into the next season. He didn't have the answer for the counterplays that Oregon was running. We saw a number of situations throughout the season. You get up to Michigan and, I mean, it, it, run game, pass game wasn't an answer. And I love Kerry Combs. He was our, our cornerbacks coach when I was playing. Uh, I thought he was a great developer of men. I thought he was a great motivator. I really thought that he cared a ton. Um, as a defensive coordinator, I think that there were some situations that he just wasn't prepared for. Um, but that's exactly what happened. And Ryan Day made the necessary changes to bring in a guy who was coaching a, a top five defense at Oklahoma State with a bunch of three stars. You feel like he's going to be able to turn things around at Ohio State. Yeah, it was funny because, uh, I mean, during the middle of the season when Combs got demoted, but he really didn't get demoted, we were always wondering, like, Who's he talking to in his headset? Because I, I don't think he's calling the plays anymore. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough situation, man. And, and 
uh, you know, it was hard for me to watch just having that personal relationship. Uh, but from my time in the NFL and Kerry Combs spent a few years there, you start to realize that this business is just, it'll eat you up and chew you up and spit you out. And, and that's kind of what happened to him. But um, it's, it's difficult. It's really difficult when you have a guy who's had history at a program and somebody who has done a good job recruiting, somebody who the players genuinely like and is not cutting it. And I think that's where, um, that's where Urban at times let guys hang around a little bit too long. I think that's where this idea that maybe Ryan wasn't as tough as, as people thought. Ryan, this offseason, telling you right now, <laughs> he was a different man. He's on a mission. Yeah, you can see that. And that that's what I was going to ask. When watching him at media day, I'm looking at the bags under his eyes, and I'm like, he has probably not slept since that Michigan game. But how much is that weighing on him these months in between having to play that game? Is he losing a lot of sleep? Is this all this guy's thinking about? Well, I'm sure he is. And, and it's not just that. I mean, it's, it's everything. I, the way that he has recruited and, and, and tried new ideas in recruiting this offseason, I mean, they're spending an inordinate amount of time. And part of that is because they've got some new coaches on the staff that they want to get in front of recruits. The other part of it is – uh, you know, Michigan got momentum in the Big Ten. You look at Notre Dame, they got a ton of momentum in recruiting. And the, and the guys down south, they don't quit. They don't stop recruiting. Um, and so I think that's a portion of it. The other part of it is he's not going to want to let this happen again. I mean, if you're, if you're Ryan Day, you could go out and you could lose any other game on the schedule. But you lost that one. You lost to Michigan. And people are going to talk about that all year until you're able to beat them again. And, I mean, God forbid it happens a second year in a row for Ryan Day. I don't know what the narrative would be. Um, and so all of those things are weighing. But this guy is like basically every other college coach that we see. He's a grinder. Um, he's putting all of his effort and resources into achieving the goals. And I, I think it's, it's – um, it's been a unique thing to watch um, because he is that young coach and he's got a lot of energy, but you guys are right. Like you can see his demeanor very different than what we've seen before. Yeah. With an embarrassing of riches because putting two wide receivers in the top, you know, 12 and you know what, let's just include Jameson Williams in there as well because he started with Ohio state and they still weren't the best wide receiver on the team. Yep. I mean, wow. And then, and oh, by the way, there's some kid named Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't know, you may have heard of his father. Is, is it truly, I mean, I hate to make this so simplified, but Big Ten, you, you got to win the Big Ten if you're Ryan Day or and or does or the seat get hot for him? Yeah, I mean, that that's a really interesting way to propose it. Like, you mentioned all the talent. I talked about CJ. You got Trevion Henderson, who's you know, going to be one of the top backs yeah. in the country this year. You mentioned the wide receivers. Offensive line, a couple of maybe questions there. You feel solid about it. If Ryan Day does not win the Big Ten this year, does the seat probably start to feel warm? Yes. Are they going to get antsy? I really don't think so. I, 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 I just I feel like there's going to be optimism going forward regardless that Ryan's going to be able to get that lightning in a bottle. 
And I think that he's earned a, a little bit of – I should be careful as I say that because what you did in the past, nobody gives a damn about anymore. I mean, you see guys getting fired for, right. for you know, coming off of, of pretty great years. But, uh, you know, guys taking his team to the college football playoff uh, two consecutive years and then just barely misses it and goes to a Rose Bowl and gets a dub. Yeah, probably people start to, to get a little bit antsy, but – you feel like he's done such a great job up to this point. Be hard to reconcile with not not making a run at the Big Ten. Certainly with all this talent, but you know, it, I, I think that Gene Smith probably has a little bit more foresight and patience than to to make a rash decision. Well, they call fans for a reason. Talking with Josh Perry from the Big Ten Network. You could also see him on the Rally on Bally Sports and talking about a coach who. Kind of changed his narrative. Let's switch over to Michigan. Jim Harbaugh Mm -hmm. goes out. He beats the Buckeyes. He wins the Big Ten. He's got a player drafted number two overall. And then he decided to flirt with the NFL and did maybe one of the strangest things I've ever seen in my life. On signing day, he's sitting in a Minnesota hotel room waiting to find out if he's going to become the next coach of the Minnesota Vikings. Josh, I've never seen this before. How does this resonate with the, with the players and in the locker room? Because he's lost, he lost two court, he lost his offensive and defensive coordinator. D- d- is he able, I guess, to just pick up where he left off, or has this caused somewhat of a strain in the locker room? I, I, it's hard for me because I think about it from both perspectives, and, and this is coming from a, a guy who's played professionally and now I operate in, in the business world. And I just I, I see things differently now. Um, so the, the first perspective is the college kid perspective. It's like, man, coach, we just had our, our greatest season in a couple of decades. We've done some really special things. We had guys on this defense. We had guys on this offense. We're going to have Ronnie Bell coming back from injury. Blake Corum's going to be coming in healthy. We're going to be in the best position in terms of quarterback we've been in in years. And you want to abandon us for the NFL? Coach, why would you do that? Right there's that perspective, and then there's the, the the business perspective, the mature perspective, which comes with with time and, and experience. These guys don't have that that perspective yet, so you can't blame them because that's what I would have been in college. The other perspective says, "Well, coach, we had our best season in a couple of decades. I mean, you put some guys in the league. Look at what your coordinators are doing. They're going off for new opportunities. I mean, if there's a time for you to get back into the NFL and that's your ultimate goal, now is the time. I totally understand why you're doing this." two sides to it. Um, but these guys probably, they looked at him a little bit crazy when he came back. They were like, coach, I mean, you kind of, you kind of tried to abandon us. Uh, you know, you, you, you felt like there were greener pastures and you tried to go off and you would have taken it if you were offered and it just didn't work out for you. But I'm 100% convinced that Jim Harbaugh went back in there said, guys, yeah, I looked around, didn't get it. I want to be here. I love Michigan. I'm a Michigan man. I want us to have enthusiasm known, unknown to mankind. Uh, you know, let's let's all uh, let's all rally around this and have a great spring. And then that's probably it. Like, and I think those guys bought in too. I really do. I think I think everybody up there bought in to the fact that he looked around. He's back. He loves Michigan, and, and that they got a pretty damn good team that can make another run at things. Now. When talking about Michigan, the big thing here is the quarterback competition, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. And I would say 80% of fans here want J.J. McCarthy to be the starting quarterback. 
Now, are you surprised in today's day and age with the transfers and everything that both QBs are still here on Michigan's roster and Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy? Yeah, and like J.J. more so than Cade because you feel like he's got um, really high upside, very explosive player. And I mean, we saw some of the exciting highlight real type plays from the handful of plays that he was in a year ago. You feel like a guy who didn't win that job coming out of spring probably would have hopped in the portal. And that's why I keep saying these guys are bought in. Right. You know, like most other places, one of those guys has gone after spring, but they're both there competing into the fall. It's a very unique situation. Um, I want to address this, though, to the 80% of Michigan fans that are calling for J.J. Kate McNamara got you to the college football playoff a year Thank ago. you. <laughs> he, he got you there. And I, I'm not quite convinced that Cade McNamara was the reason you didn't have success in the semifinal because everybody looked like they were a little bit shell-shocked out there. Let's not make this a quarterback thing. Um, And we know what Jim Harbaugh is as an offensive play caller. We know who he is in terms of his mentality. He wants his defense to play the way that they did a year ago. He wants his run game to look the way that it did a year ago. He wants his tight ends to be featured the way that they were featured a year ago. And he wants his quarterback to not make mistakes and take care of the football and be efficient the way he was a year ago. Uh, J.J. is phenomenal. Make no doubt about that. And he would add a very unique edge to this offense. But Cade McNamara did everything he was asked to do within the system for his team, got a college football playoff berth. And people are like, ah, man, let's just move on to the next guy. It's, it's tough for me because I, I watch – Cade and I appreciate what he does as a player and he deserves every bit of a chance to mess it up uh, before you just hand the keys to another guy. Now it's funny that you say that because I've been saying that on my radio show for the longest Cade did everything you could and even in the loss to Michigan State he was the only Michigan player that got to sit in the front of the bus he threw for almost 400 yards that day. Yeah. Kenneth Walker you couldn't stop him but Cade did everything jj comes in fumbles the ball twice the last one they lose and it's like i I often thought that maybe fans just fell in love with the backup they fell in love with the five star because if it was the other way around and jj mccarthy led michigan to a playoff berth and a big 10 title i don't even think it would be a question but it reminds me a lot of georgia with stetson bennett and a lot of georgia fans didn't want him and all he did was go out and win the title for you People want the, the flashy, shiny thing. They, they want the guy who's rolling out to his right and throws across his body to the middle of the field when everybody from Little League tells you not to do that right. and completes the pass, and they're like, oh, man, this dude is the greatest thing ever. Right. He can break the cardinal rules, and he's still going to make a play. That's what fans want, but it's not necessarily what you need to be successful. Cade was ready last year. And Cade made all the plays last year that he needed to make. And so I think he deserves a little bit more respect than just moving off of him so quickly. I, I agree with you. Now let's go to the other team in the state. And we're talking to Josh Perry right now. He's on the Big Ten Network. He's on Bally Sports. Man just does everything, folks. We were kind enough to get a few minutes of his time. Josh, Michigan State coming off of an 11-2 and uh, season. They, they go and they win a New Year's Six game against Pittsburgh and the uh, Chick-fil-A Bowl. 
How does Mel Tucker duplicate this that past season, or, or is that asking too much of Michigan State fans to think that he can duplicate this? Um, I don't know if it's asking too much that he can duplicate it. <laughs> you talk about having edge. Uh, Mel Tucker has got to be one of my favorite characters in the whole conference. I love the way he talks. Um, I like his mentality. It's just there's something about him that is it, – it seems very raw and real and, and just like – He's he's a football guy, but it's not too football-y, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but in saying that, I truly believe that he's developed the mentality within his locker room that mediocre is not going to be good enough, and they don't want to be, you know, the second-best program in their state. And, uh, you know, they don't want people talking about the other teams in the East. They don't want them talking about Penn State and Ohio State either. They want They want to be Michigan State as the – the flagship team. Is that realistic? I'm not exactly sure, but does that mentality go a long way? Yes. And we saw what that did for him a year ago. I had them finishing in the basement of the East last year. And I was shocked watching them pull off some of the victories they had early on in the year. And then watching them build momentum into the the middle of the season. I'm like, damn, this team is actually really good. And then toward the end of the year, they got exposed defensively. And then it was a little bit of a a question of, of what they want to be on that side of the football. But, um, reality situation, Jaden Reed, one of the most exciting players in the conference. They got him back. Peyton Thorne was another one of those quarterbacks where people are like, ah, oh, man, yeah, I wish your quarterback could do more. But he did all the things that he was supposed to do. I think he's a solid QB. Um, you got Jalen Berger as a, a transfer running back, and people were asking, what are you going to do without Kenneth Walker? And this guy's not Kenneth Walker, but uh, I, I liked him when he was at Wisconsin before things kind of blew up there. So I, I think I'm going to like him at Michigan State. Defense was not good last year. Um, gave up a ton of explosives, a ton of big plays. But they created a lot of negative plays. And so I think with Mel probably stepping in a little bit more on the defensive side, he's going to be coaching corners this year, that changes. Um, and and I, I think they'll be competitive. Like, you'll get a battle between Michigan and Michigan State. You'll probably get a battle between uh, Michigan State and Ohio State. They're probably, I mean – Come on, Josh, Josh, Josh. I, I, I was at that game as a fan last year. We, we left at halftime. <laughs> okay. The, the, uh, the Michigan State, Ohio State? Yes. I mean. I looked at my was, buddy and said, you know, we can go and just get, go hit up a uh, Cane's chicken and then head on home. Well, now, the, the Cane's was actually, that was the, probably the smartest move you made that day. But uh, <laughs> I, I think, I, I don't think I don't think Mel is going to let his team get laughed like that two years in a row. He's not that kind of a coach. No, it was funny because he he actually I, I give him credit because uh, after the game, instead of you know using injuries or anything like that, he just looked at everybody and said, "I don't have the horses to run up against Ohio State, and that's got to be priority one for me." I got to be able to beat the Buckeyes. It's no secret. In order to win the Big Ten, you have to go through Columbus. He did that a lot. He brought in Kenneth Walker. He brought in transfers last year. He brought in about eight or nine more transfers this year. Now, it, with the transfer portal, it, it allows you – he calls them free agents. Yep. As, a, as a guy who's been in the locker room, you know, how, how easily does the rest of the team accept new guys just kind of coming in almost – like a almost like mercenary type where you didn't start off here, you weren't with us in the beginning, but now you're here now. How accepting are players to the transfers coming in? Well, uh, I'd like to say that in a way we're all mercenaries. So uh, guys that just ask the question, hey, man, can you play? Sure. All right, prove it. 
and then you go out there and prove it. I, I think that's that's what it comes down to. If you're purpose driven to you know win championships, then you're going to take all the pieces necessary. Now, you feel like you want a guy breathing down your neck that you don't know that that's coming in to take your job. That's difficult to reconcile with, but. You know, if they're bringing in a tight end, I'm playing linebacker. I know that tight end is going to help us get closer to our goal. I'm cool. Um, and I, I think Mel has been pretty clear about what he wants to do. And it's funny because, you know, Mel talked about um, recruiting being like the draft and you really want to build through the draft and then you supplement and you fill in needs through free agency, which he does in the portal. Talk to Brett Bielema, who spent some time in the NFL. His philosophy is very similar. You talk to Greg Schiano, who spent – a lot of times in the NFL, his philosophy when it comes to transfers is very similar. I think that these guys that have this NFL background um, might be a little bit better equipped to conceptualize and to plan and to utilize the portal and then to get these guys in and try to get them ready to go. Um, because, you know, the, in the NFL, they're making transactions every week. But, like, after training camp is one of the biggest times teams are making transactions. So you'll grab a guy off of waivers and you got to get him ready to play in, in, in basically 10 days or whatever the case is. And so I think these guys, they get back into that mode mentally where they're, they're bringing players in, they're, they're getting them acquainted, they're, they're getting them settled in, they're teaching them the playbook, and then they'll just go out there and they compete and it feels like they've always been a part of the team. When talking about recruiting, Mel Tucker's been doing something I've never seen around here, and that's in bringing in the Lamborghinis on the field, the Ferraris. Content, baby. Yeah. How much are other coaches and teams taking notice of what Mel Tucker's doing in East Lansing? I'm sure they're they're keeping tabs. I'm 100% sure of it. The content machine over there, and I know there was a, uh, a, a, a Michigan account that was poking fun at how many times he was on the Michigan State uh, Twitter account. That's Brandon. That's content. It's exactly where you want to be. Mel Tucker standing there with them big ass dogs looking mean. Yeah. That's fun <laughs> content. He's got he's got the 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 foreign cars on the field. That's content. Mel Tucker on the golf course with a cigar. I, I mean, I would do it too if I was him. And and so teams are taking notice. I think the kids really probably they enjoy that aspect of it. Um, it's different. It's fresh. I like seeing the cars. These kids want NIL deals. They all want cars anyway. Like, I, yeah, you should probably do that. Hey, Josh, uh, we're going to wrap it up with this, and I do appreciate you coming on, man. You, you've really dropped some knowledge. So who's going to be the surprise team coming out the Big Ten? And, and not going to hold your feet to the fire, but <laughs> – you got to talk and you got to see a lot of different players and personnel. And, and by surprise, it could be good surprise. It could be bad surprise. It could be the team that, you know, a lot of people are going to hype up that you just like, yeah, I don't think that they're going to cut the mustard this year. Do you have that team? Yeah, let me, let me throw out a few different options for you. Uh, I'm going to get you in trouble with this one, but let's, let's start the Maryland. Oh. Let's, start <laughs> let's start it up, baby. Let's go. Um, I mean, <laughs> Their defense has got to get better, and they made changes on that side of the football. So I'm sure that they can be improved from a year ago. Leah Tungavailoa got to be one of the dark horse players in this conference. Um, the man, when he's playing his best football, is really good. I think his biggest issue is he's so up and down. He's got to find that consistency in his game and his mentality. But you got Dante Demas Jr. coming off the injury. You got Rockin' Jerry. You got Jay Sean Jones. Like some really good offensive talent. 
they'll be able to put up points. I don't know if their defense is going to be ready yet, but they'll be able to put up points. Um, in the West, the team that I love is Purdue. I've been, I've been on this bandwagon. I'm not sure if I'm ready to crown them in the West yet, but um, their schedule opinion, tells me they're going to make it to Indy, who they don't well, play. It sets up, doesn't it? Yes. And they've got the second best quarterback in my estimation in the Big Ten in Aiden O'Connell. And, and that guy was phenomenal last year. The offense is perfect for him. Catch the ball, throw it, get it to guys in space. People are going to ask a question about who they're going to throw the ball to. The wide receiver room is going to be fine. Just trust me on that. Um, they probably need to need to be able to run the ball a little bit more than they had before. Uh, but I think that was more of a they didn't, they didn't want to. Not that they couldn't. Um, and their defense was re- remarkable last year just in terms of how much better they got. George Karloftis ain't around. That's a pretty big deal. But I think that they've created a mentality that they can actually play defense. That's going to go a long way. Now, one, a team that I feel like is probably getting a little bit too much credit right now, um, and that's, that's Iowa. And I, I love what they did defensively last year. I think they got a quarterback issue right now. Uh, Petrus and Padilla both played a year ago. Neither one of them were, were really um, consistent enough at that position. The run game was not very good. Um, that they're, they're lacking explosive offensive weapons. Their two best offensive weapons transferred over to Purdue. Uh, Tyrone Tracy Jr. And, and Charlie Jones, they, they transferred to another team in the West. It's got a wide-open offense that does things very differently than most teams in the West do it. Yeah, they do. Um, and so, you know, last year they lived off of, of taking the football away and playing great special teams. And I'm as a defensive guy, I love it. I thought it was great. But I'm not exactly sure that you can replicate that this year. So that's a team that I'm, I'm kind of pressing pause on right now. I want to wait and see. Purdue's a team that I feel like has got momentum. And I am, I'm gassing up the bandwagon for Maryland, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Josh Perry, you can see him on the Big Ten Network. You can see him every day on the rally on Bally Sports. Josh, I appreciate the time you coming on here, man, dropping the knowledge. Uh, you, you are always welcome here anytime because I like how you I like how you just tell it like it is, man. I definitely appreciate that. It was certainly a lot of fun, and uh, give me a call anytime you want me. All right, thanks a lot. Josh Perry, you see him on the Big Ten Network, rally, uh, Bally Sports on the rally. Evan, yeah. I think we should just go ahead and uh, and end this thing right here because this was this was pretty good, man. I mean, Josh touched upon every team. Yeah, no, he did, and and definitely gave me what I needed out of the quarterback because I sit here every day shocked that both QBs are still at Michigan, and I commend them for it because it blows my mind that they did it. So yeah. So for Evan Jenkins, I'm Rico Beard. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Five Star Zone. Make sure you tell your friends. Make sure you click that like button, download it, do all of that stuff, and uh, we'll be back for the next episode.